What's up, Banana Bunch? We made it. That's right. Another episode of the Jungle Gyms podcast is upon us. You know the drill. If you're loving the show, tell your friends and they listen to it. And then they'll hear this part too. Then both of you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, the numbers have been slowing down a little bit on the reviews, but there's still plenty of time to get us to 100 reviews by the end of December. Like, I've been setting that goal for the last couple of weeks. But of course, thank you so much to everyone who's been leaving reviews. It keeps our rankings high, and I want us to be the biggest thing in the food game and in the podcast world. So, what's on the menu for The Jungle this week? Well, this is releasing on the week of Thanksgiving, and I'm just hoping that this show can provide you with at least, at the very least, an hour of reprieve from your family and all of the insanity that tends to come with this time of year. So just pop in your AirPods or earbuds or whatever you want to listen to this on and sip on a little mold cider, huh? Okay. You know, maybe instead of just listening to the show, why don't you come in and visit? You know, you've got family here and everybody's looking for things to do. And I think this is sort of a non-traditional and, in my opinion, a very fun way to uh, spend time with your family. Actually, I had some family visiting this past weekend. So I've actually, of the as of the day of release, I will have spent the last 10 days straight in the store, which is exactly how I wanted to spend my off time. But I had a great time, actually, you know? I mean, we're not just a regular store, okay? If you're unfamiliar with us, well, you probably are by now because you've been listening to the show. But, you know, drag your family out of here. We've got all kinds of stuff. I, I, I joke frequently on the show about this, but I'm sitting right now in like a 6,000 square foot toy store that's bigger and crazier than pretty much any other toy store in town. We've got all kinds of stuff. You know, we even source some of our products locally. A few months back, I went with uh, the department manager, Travis, here to one of our local toy and comic expos, and we met a bunch of artists. And we try, We were looking for local toy, toy creators and purveyors, but we mostly found some artists and other fun stuff. But we've been stocking the shelves with all kinds of new stuff. So come in, check that out. You know, we've got a new huge cookware section. And I know that sounds a little non-traditional, but again, you know, that's what that's what we're all doing this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm baking my first bunt cake this week after buying a Nordicware pan from us. And of course... You know, we've got the international foods and treats from all over the world. That's really the thing that separates us from the herd, right? These are things you can't get anywhere else but here or in their point of origin. And the thing is, you know, even if you're really well-traveled, I doubt you're flying to Japan this week to go pick up some of your favorite snacks, right? No, you can just come here to Fairfield, Ohio or Eastgate, you know, because we've got two locations and get all that stuff. And it's like, uh, it, you know, to me, it's a lot of fun stuff to try with your family. It's a conversation piece, and it gets us away from some of the typical uh, topics of conversation around this time of year. I think it'd be a little more fun, you know, a little more direct engagement. You don't have to just play a board game. Make a game out of this. Get something spicy. Get something weird and new and interesting. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, literally, this is how I'm going to spend my holiday. So on the show, first up, I've invited friend of the show and one of your favorite repeat guests, Phil, our director of development, to help me follow up on the previous few weeks of the Bourbon County Stout story from Goose Island. Now, the TLDR here, if you're not caught up on previous episodes, is that we are throwing a big beer release par party on Black Friday with some very exclusive beers that are literally only available at Jungle Gyms. So get ready to learn all about the brews that you can only get at our party. I know we've talked about, if you want to get a lot of details on that, Check out episode seven and eight. 
I've done a lot of content on it here, but there's all kinds of delicious stouts. Again, the only places you can get these, these are exclusive to Jungle Gems, and the other place is directly from Goose Island. So again, you don't have to travel, just come here, unless you're in Chicago, and then I guess you could go to both, perhaps. But I had Phil tell a bunch of cool stories about uh, the L car that we previously owned that Goose Island owns now. So I thought that was a fun little story. Uh, but then, after that, I'm bringing back a segment of the taste test, which is one of my favorite bits to do on the show, as I talk a bit about the discovery section of our store. And guess what? If you don't love only listening to the taste test, I also released this segment on our, on our YouTube page. And I've made it super easy for you to jump right into there by visiting our landing page at junglegyms.com slash WJJI. And you know what? Of course, you can reach out to me directly if you're struggling with this. Email podcast at junglegyms.com or you can even call me at 513-674-6855, country code one. Uh, if you feel like leaving a message like, actually, the first one I got here. Is it a prank call? Probably, but honestly, I'm just so excited that somebody used the hotline. Check this little clip out. Hi there. I was looking for CMOS. I heard about it on your show. CMOS, the, the man kept talking about it. He said it was very good for his joints. Mine aren't so good no more. It hurts to walk. Please help me find them. What aisle are they in? Hello? Hello? Oh, it's my grandson calling. Hold on. Yeah, definitely feeling prank call vibes. But you know what? Again, thanks for calling and leaving that. Uh, hopefully you got everything you needed from your, your grandson that called in. But lastly on the show, the entree this week is a sit down with Susie DeYoung, founder of La Soup. It's a really cool nonprofit that rescues perishable foods from farms and, of course, from jungle gyms. Their highly talented transform team of chefs and volunteers transforms this food into healthy soups and meals that are then distributed to roughly 100 share partners that feed the food insecure. It's a really, really noble service, and I know that we here love helping contribute to their success. And it's a great story. Susie's wonderful. I'm really excited for you to learn, or well, learn about what she does, but also to meet her. Now, of course, if you're one of those people that wants to skip around, I do leave the time codes to the show in the show notes so that you can easily skip to any of the segments that you want to listen to immediately. Otherwise, you just get to hang out with me for a while, which, you know, of course, that's what I want you to do. All right, are you all ready? Let's dive in then. Phil, tell me about that L car. Okay, Phil. So the, uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've talked about the Bourbon County Stout Party that we've been planning here for right. Black Friday and everything. And since this episode is coming out right before that, I finally thought it would be a good time to bring you back in again. Although this is going to be a recurring thing. Right. But uh, I figured, uh, you know, I reached out to you. I was like, do you know the story behind the Bourbon County Stout thing? Because I'd heard a rumor about an L car and I wanted to get the story. So what what happened? What what? This is another fun jungle story. I'm of sure. Of course, this is you know one of those uh, stories. Like every grocery store has an L car, right? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I went over to Eastgate and uh, went up to the office and I sat down and Stephanie was sitting next to me and she was doing our uh, online Twitter and she's like, you know, somebody just tweeted that we should buy an L car. And I laughed. I'm like, yeah, right. Good luck. Right. <laughs> and I said, that would be awesome. And she's like, no, there's two on auction. This guy says we should uh, go on the auction and purchase them. I'm like, oh, okay. So I looked and I'm like, whoa, there are two L cars for sale on an auction. And, uh, 
So I called Jungle and I explained it to him and he's like, okay, Nick, when you're over here tomorrow, let's look at it. I said, the auction's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It ends tomorrow. He's like, okay, we'll look at it. So get there in the morning, we'd look at it and we're like, yeah, we want this. Um, but prior to that, I had uh, gone out. John was like, you know, how are we going to get it here? I said, I have no idea. So I called uh, <laughs> the people out of Diamond in Ross, Okeana area, and they said, oh, yeah, that's way too light for us. I'm like, light? <laughs> they were, they're were heavy haulers, right? Oh, okay. It's very specialized. So they said, call Silk Transportation out of New York. They knew it right away. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, they specialize in uh, rail cars and subway cars. I'm like, oh, okay. So I called the guy, explained it to him where we were. He sent me a quote. So we knew the number going in for freight, which was staggering. I'm sure. <laughs> always feels like that's the name of these stories is that like getting it here almost costs more than right. the item itself. In this case, it was, we thought it was going to, but it ended up, uh, you know, the auction kept running. So. You know, they're very popular. <laughs> Gosh. So uh, the next, you know, that morning uh, we started looking at the auction, waited till the last couple minutes and, you know, somebody made a move. And so we started bidding up and, you know, we hit our max and we were like, oh, we're so close. We can't give up now. Right. There's only two of them. And uh, so we, we kept bidding until we won one of them. So we were all excited, and then we we're like, oh, okay, this thing's going to show up now. Now what? <laughs> so called Silk Transportation, organized it, um, got with the auction company, and got with the uh, Chicago, I forget what it's called, Transit Authority, I think okay, it is. sure. And uh, coordinated that pickup, and the L car arrived when it was snowing, and I cold and we had everything we thought we you know we were ready to put this thing it was really cool so they pulled it into our shop and we were going to store it outside we had these huge metal plates for the uh, trucks the wheels that sit under the car yeah and uh because we knew it was going to be there a while we didn't have a clue what we were going to do with it but you know can't design unless you have one right right of course (laughs) Uh, so if you design you know to have a subway car you'll never get it right so it's very true uh we work in reverse (laughs) and uh maybe you're doing it right though you know i don't have a subway car (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah so it's you know he unloaded it we put it there took lots of pictures measured it and came up with quite a few different designs uh a tobacco and cigar lounge was one of the top oh. uh, designs and you know got pushed off to the side because we had a lot of other projects going on one of them was eastgate <laughs> small project yeah right yeah and uh <laughs> so uh, flash forward a couple of years and somebody from goose island called i think his name was ryan and uh said hey we're calling because we want to buy your subway car i'm like yeah right yeah no he's like no no for real there were only two on auction i'm like i know we were bidding on them and he's like uh you won one and a museum won one we can't buy it from the museum i'm like well you can't buy it from us either we're gonna build something out of this thing <laughs> and he's like no no you don't understand we need this thing i'm like oh my gosh what are you he's like we're gonna build a bar out of it i'm like Oh, so are we. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, he was relentless. And he's like, we're, we're cut, flying down next week. We'll be down. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And uh, so they showed up and they looked at it and they're like, yeah, we want this thing. We're going to cut it in half long ways. And then we're going to cut it again, taking a foot off in the middle and then put it back together and weld it back together oh, wow. and make this uh, portable bar to travel the country. And we we're like, well, 
that would be okay if you had it. You know, it's ours. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we finally uh, gave in, and uh, part of the uh, purchase was the stout beer. Oh, okay. And I was wondering, do you know any of the details as far as what we get from them in the regards no, to the beer? No, I don't. Oh, that's yeah. okay, though. But that's still such a cool story. It's such yeah. an on-brand thing for us. Like, so, yeah. Then we called Silk Transportation and said, hey, we're ready to move our rail car. <laughs> 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 and help coordinate with those guys. Uh, and then I saw online on their website uh, the company that did the transformation and Goose Island. Whoa, that thing turned out really cool. Yeah, I saw a couple pictures online. I guess it's like street legal and everything. Yeah. That kind of blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Considering the vehicle that brought it here, you know, from Silk and what they turned it into, pretty sharp. That's those guys so do cool. some really cool stuff. Well, they should bring it back out here. I know. That's what I'd like at this point. I'm like, especially if we do the event. Well, I wanted, Jungle and I wanted to put our names at, you know, somewhere at the bottom, you know, in this, in the purchase, you know, you have to display this was Jungle Gems, right? Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, that didn't fly either. Uh, That's disappointing. (laughs) But we know, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And now the world knows through the Uh, show. Exactly. That's so cool. Oh, I wish I'd been here for that. Would you, would you have put the cart uh, here or at Eastgate? Uh, we had drawings for both, and when we were doing the pavilion, we had actually drawn it in over there, but it ate up a lot of the parking lot, so sure. it, it became very challenging over there. And then we would have had to have Silk move it again, you know, right. and the cost to move it, you know, thirty minutes away. Uh, yeah, we could have. Yeah, not we, worth it. We could have used a crane to move it on our property here <laughs> <laughs> without Silk's help. So. Wow. Oh, that's so cool, though. Like, yeah, we, we were probably the only grocery store that owned a monorail and a subway car. You could have had a whole chain of like a train a of locomotive. different cars. That'd right. be exactly. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's look, that's next year. That's 2022. <laughs> oh, I love trains. I have no idea. <laughs> That'd be, hey, I'd be into it, Phil. Me too. Look, I mean, I'm I'm just, if I know we talked last time about how we needed the mine car ride, but if we could ride, the, I mean, I, obviously the monorail works, but, uh-huh. you know, imagine having a train ride to the store. I know, they could do a rail spur, but Fairfield won't move their high school. <sighs> I swear. What, what are they doing what do over we there? Have, what do we have to deal with? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's great. You want to talk about parking lots? Uh, actually, you know, when you mentioned uh, that a minute ago, I kind of do want to talk about that because one thought I had a minute a bit ago was our parking lot here at Fairfield is much larger than the Eastgate one. Is that right? That is incorrect. Really? Okay, <laughs> then I don't know anything. It's sixteen hundred so. parking spaces at Fairfield in two thousand eleven at Eastgate. Wow! No kidding. Yeah, I didn't realize. Uh, a lot of it's code driven. Okay. Um, you have to have X amount of cars per square foot. Um, sure. And over at Eastgate, we acquired what we had, and we actually needed more, so we had to do more. And over time, we've purchased more land over there so that we could do more. So Eastgate was easy. We had the front parking lot, and we had what used to be Biggs employee parking in back. Well, we converted the area behind the cinema to be a customer parking and secret entrance is what we called it in the beginning but <laughs> it it enters into beer wine liquor tobacco dairy frozen cheese shop that side of the building you can shop the whole store and exit that store there's no limit uh on how many items back there it get, gets the locals in and out very quick um and then the front where the yellow monorail is on the big bridge over there mm-hmm. is that one's pretty self-explanatory you know it 
services crossroads ourselves all the tenants across and rj cinema and rj wraps around the 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 side rj's got the cool ice skating rink if you're listening to this in the winter yes i'm I'm airing it this week so they should go i it's actually on my list to do i guess the weekend after this release so maybe if you come out everyone you'll see me too oh awesome yeah if they trans well we helped with them uh transform the whole outside of the cinema and rencon with outdoor seating for both ice skating rink in the winter in the summer it's just uh turf area with a lot of picnic tables oh no kidding. in the That's winter really cool. the picnic tables in the fire pits it's really really cool i had no if idea you, if you haven't seen the cinema at eastgate at our, our location in a while you're going to be blown away the interior is amazing they got the bar and the whole like uh scene going on in there and then you could watch a movie what a concept right uh, yeah <laughs> uh, uh, tell me more about movies <laughs> yeah exactly so fairfield parking lot we uh that that's just evolved so it's 360 degrees at fairfield the initial parking lot started on the side with the water scene that would be what most would call the main parking lot but it's relevant to the person that shops here so the parking lot with the water scene actually has our name on a new tree we've never had our name on the fairfield location so putting a tree out in front of the water scene with the giraffe uh somebody needs to name the giraffes too by the way have a contest oh that's a okay. contest okay yeah. sounds um, good uh so we put our name up there a good chunk of the people park in that lot and that is the giraffe parking lot we've actually named it giraffe parking lot it's going to be on google maps giraffe parking lot uh the giraffes are out there and then the front parking lot with um that is actually by route four is our side entrance in in our heads right uh for a lot of customers that's their front entrance but that and that enters into beer wine liquor a lot like eastgate cheese shop right starbucks what have you jersey mike's that one's got very very limited parking so if you're coming in for a holiday or you know shopping with when it's going to be busy i would park in the draft parking lot rhino parking lot is challenging there's not a lot of parking spaces um and it's pretty much set up for people to come in and out starbucks people are just piling in and out of there um so there's a lot of traffic over there so if you're coming to the fairfield i highly suggest the giraffe but you can get your picture with the giraffes or the rhinos you know i mean you could do both really Uh but just take the lap (laughs) and since we did the addition on the fairfield uh property it used to be able to travel through from the giraffe parking lot over to the rhino with the breezeway that no longer exists so wherever you enter is where you're going to go out the register if you go out the uh, wrong register you got to walk around the building and it's going to be cold this winter so pay attention we've got signage everywhere but in this building it's sensory overload sure it really is oh yeah you know in a weird way when you mentioned the two exits it reminds me of las vegas because you don't realize and i think about this every time i'm driving to work i was like you don't realize the scale of the building until you're right on top of it and you're like oh this is massive so i really do think it's worth driving home that point that like yeah you really it's not only will it be cold but it's going to be a pretty good walk to get to the other side of the building yeah and if it's snowing or whatever oh yeah no thanks yeah it's hard it's hard to get a perspective on how big our two stores are and unless you're on the roof sure and the first time i walked eastgate bigs when it was still bigs uh 
before we even owned it. You know, I walked through the building and I'm like, okay, it's big. But I get up on that roof and I'm like, holy smoke, next, let's get out of here, run. (laughs) Where's the escape hatch? (laughs) Obviously we didn't, but you know, that thing's huge. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's massive. They're I love it. Yeah. It's a flat roof over there here. These roofs are every direction. It's cool. That was so funny. I loved when you were pointing that out. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't even realize. Thanks, Phil. It's always a pleasure to have you here. All right. So I know I mentioned our discovery section in passing in earlier episodes and at the top of this episode. But to be clear, for those of you who are just jumping in or maybe unaware, we've got this section right near the cash registers called Discoveries, where we create a little appetizer, if you will, a greatest hit section uh, to a theme each month put together by my pal Jim and his team at International. So November's theme is Indian culture. And of course, I wanted to do a, a little snack taste test. So... When you get up there, it's just, again, it's it's an appetizer. Just kind of get you a little excited, a little teaser so that you can go check out the other stuff in the store. And, of course, we had a few options up there, but I wanted to get a little extra help in deciding a few ones to start with. And I wanted to make sure they were great ones. So I headed to our Indian section of the store, and I met Shalish, uh, one of our employees in that area from India, who could give me some excellent suggestions. And, you know, I think that's one of the coolest things about Jungle Gyms. I'm pretty sure as of my last count, we speak something like 35 different languages in our stores. And that's because we employ a lot of people from the international countries whose products we sell in the store, meaning that we get experience like the one I just mentioned here. Like you could come in and just like I did and get suggestions from people who've likely helped us source these products in the first place. At the very least, they should be experts, right? So on that, let's roll that segment music. And now it's time for the taste test. So as I'm sure I said in the lead up to this, we have a discovery section here at Jungle Gyms where you can try every month. We try to cater to a specific either nationality or some sort of theme. So for the month of November, we've got Indian food. You know, Diwali was at the beginning of the month. And I thought I would try a couple of snack mixes because I love international snacks. And so does the Internet. So I thought we'd kick this off. So you can see on my tray here, I've got a couple of these and we cut in. I've got uh, some Bombay mix. I thought that was probably the, quote, safe option. For all of you who are not as adventurous as me, this is Fulvadi, uh, and I'm not entirely sure how to describe what that is yet, but we'll find out at least who taste. And then lastly, Alu Bujia, um, and Alu is potato, so also that that might be safe for all of you. So I thought I'd try a little bit of these. Let's go with the snack mix first, shall we? So in this one, it's very clear. It's crisp noodles, chickpeas, and peanuts. Got kind of like a light, maybe like a garam masala or a, you know, to the uneducated nose, like a curry smell. That's not entirely accurate, though. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I like these little crispy noodles. The texture on this one's really interesting. You get a couple things going on. So you've got definitely the um, the strong, te- you know, the uh, you know what a peanut Tastes like, unless you have a nut allergy. I'm sorry, RIP. Um, the crispy noodles, nice. You know what the flavor I get? I kind of thought this would sm- taste a little bit more of like the, like I mentioned, that kind of like masala end of things. 
there's actually a really strong egg flavor. And I'm happy about that. I love eggs. I'm not sure what that is. I'm going to try and kind of cheat on the back. I'm not sure what it is, but you have the little chickpeas and the little uh, green peas that have been puffed. Those are really good, too. They got nice. You can hear that crunch. That's that's interesting. I'd be curious for all of your takes on this because that egg flavor really, it's singing to me a little bit. I'm, I'm very curious about where that's coming from. Wow. Not very salty. There's a little bit of spice in there. I like that. It smells appetizing. I think my favorite thing in the in the mix is either the little crispy peas or the uh, crispy noodles. I just like that texture. If I'm looking for a snack, I want that crunch more than anything. That's just me, though. Cool. All right. Bombay mix. So far, so good. I keep going back to it. <laughs> it's the egg. It's like salty egg. It's almost like if you put egg on popcorn. I know that's a weird way to describe it, but... Try that. I'm going to actually try that off camera. So up next, I'm going to try this. Uh, the next two are from the same brand, Merch Masala. This last one was from Halderams. But I'm curious about this one. So I, I, um, I did a little smell right before, and I'll do it for you all here. So this is interesting to me. I thought it was going to be more spicy, but you get a really strong mint scent. And I know that shows up often in uh, Indian cuisine. And I'm curious. I'm curious if it's going to taste as strongly of mint as it smells, because it is unmistakably like spearmint flavor. It almost smells like gum. Okay, instant thoughts. Texture is exactly what I want out of a snack food. It's super crunchy. You can definitely tell it's made of potato. It, it's got like, it's like if uh, somebody did little potato chip crisps together. You get a good strong flavor of the potato. But what I'm noticing is there is there are some spices in the middle. So like the front end potato chip for like a split second and it moves into spicy territory. But that mint flavor is just all over this. Like I can't escape it. It's very heavily on the back end and you get little, every time I breathe out, I can smell a little or taste rather a little of the, the mint flavor. Ah, that's kind of a bummer. I don't, I like mint. I like mint things in general. I don't necessarily like it in this. You know, I made the comment a minute ago about gum, but it kind of tastes like I had this delicious kind of what I think the American palate would go, oh, that's what Indian food tastes like. I had like a moment of that, and then it was like, oh, and then the, I'm chewing gum at the end of it. It's kind of a weird mix, but you know what? That's that's it. It's weird to me because it's not how I do things, but I want to explore other cultures, and I'm hoping that you do too. So it's interesting, and maybe a lot of you will really like this out there. I, uh, You know what I think it is more than anything? is It's kind of like spearmint, and of the mints, that's like my least favorite one. It's very... Spearmint's like inoffensive. It's soft. It's like, I don't know. It'd be too nice to you. It's, I feel like I could walk all over spearmint, but like a peppermint, for example, peppermint get, is probably getting into a fight after a show. I'm a peppermint guy, if you can't tell. Well, let's move on. Let's try the third one here. This is the Fulvati. And I'm curious about this one. Chickpea flour, spices, paprika, you know, the usual. But I noticed when I first picked it up, the texture feels different. And when you hold the bag, it almost feels dare I say dense, like it didn't feel the same way the other ones. Like when you pick up snack foods, it's kind of light. It feels like it's even in the bag. This was really weird. It feels very like, it's like I put something heavy in the bag and it's, it's very like weighted down here. I know that's a strange thing to mention, but okay. First thought, the texture is not quite what I expected. I thought it was going to be crunchier. So now I'm really excited to try this one. 
that faces there's no crunch. And you know, I want to tell you I don't like that. It's almost like velvety. It's really kind of dense and not chewy, but it's like soft. Like when I bit on it, I expect a little bit of crunch, not as much as the other things I tried. That's okay. I think that's my favorite flavor-wise out of all of these. It doesn't have a strong smell, but you know what I would like in this too? It tastes like you turn falafel into a snack mix. Yeah, that is hands down my favorite of the bunch as I spit snack food all over myself. Thanks for subscribing. And hello to everybody in the store today. This one is hands down my favorite. Like... Well, I want, but you know, I know I said before, like when I think of a snack food, I want something crunchy. I really want that like textural excitement. And even though this doesn't have it, the taste is so good. It was, it was kind of, it met somewhat more of my expectations of what I was going to experience. It's a little spicy, but not super spicy. I'd say it's probably, I'd say this one's, if I went in spice levels here, I'd probably go, Honestly, I think the, fir- the first and second were pretty even keel. That they both had a good bit of spice. All on the back end. Um, it's still strong flavor. But this middle guy, the Fulvati, Fulvati, excuse me. It's hard to remember pronunciations when you ask somebody to pronounce it and then run back to the studio to do this. And like, is that exactly how they said it? Um, I would. This is dangerous. Like, I'm going to make Lucky that's helping me shoot this. Take this out of the office when we're done. Because otherwise, I'm going to just keep gaining weight on the show. If you come in, come back out, you know, you'll see the discovery section. It's right up front near the cash registers. Oh, I love this. Uh, And like I said, for the month of November, we're going to be featuring Indian cuisine. So you should definitely check that out. I hope this makes it up there. But if not, just go back to the Indian section. You'll find it with the other snack mixes. They were all pretty good. The only one I wouldn't try again was this Alu Bugia. I just didn't. The mint, not doing it for me. But the other two, killer. And you know what? It doesn't matter. I want you all to try this anyway because just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that that's not my personal taste. Come in. Explore with me. Try it all. And if you like this show, make sure you subscribe to the Jungle Gyms podcast. If you want to get involved with it and you're like, Mark, I think you should try this next time. Right down here, you can see it, is my email address. Podcast at junglegyms.com. Hit me up. Tell me what you want to see. Tell me what you want to see on the show or listen to on the show. Tell me what kind of videos you want to see from me. I want to make this all for all of you. And when you come in next time, come in and pick one of your favorite Indian snacks, bring it by the booth, and we can eat it and, I don't know, shake hands or something. Sound good? Great. If you enjoyed the taste test, make sure to tune in to the Jungle Gyms podcast wherever you get podcasts. New episodes come out on Wednesdays. I love doing the taste test. One more reminder here that you can go to junglegyms.com slash WJJI and go right to the show on any podcast platform you like, as well as on YouTube. And we even made a separate YouTube button for a specific playlist that is just our taste test video segments. I highly recommend it on this one, and honestly, all of them. It's It plays well in audio, but I think it's even better in video. That way you get to see the snacks in person, so you get some of the visual cues, all that fun stuff. I'm really looking forward to some upcoming episodes where I'm bringing a little more of the test element into it, where I can challenge myself to guess what I'm eating. That said, you can also look forward to an upcoming suggestion from international produce queen, Lucia, and it's one of my favorite things that I've gotten to try so far. So, you know, this is a good way for you to subscribe and listen to future episodes. Okay, everyone, it's time for our main course. 
So I got connected to Susie from La Soup early on in my time here in the jungle, and we were finally able to set this up officially. I want to give a huge thanks to Joni for getting me connected with Susie, as I totally agreed with her that La Soup's story was one that needed to be told, especially as we had such a big hand in helping them rescue food that's gone on to feed the underprivileged. In true jungle fashion, however, this interview turned out a little extra fun thanks to a random customer sneaking in into the interview itself towards the end. But you know what? Don't take this story from me. Meet Susie DeYoung. So I'm here with Susie from La Soup. Thank you for coming in. I'm very fortunate to come in. Thank you, Mark. You're so nice. I appreciate that already. This is going to go great. It is great. Well, so I've been doing, you know, doing my research as I tend to do on these shows. Uh, But in case the audience doesn't want to hear me, just spiel it out. Tell me a little bit about what you do. So I am a retired chef. I had La Petite Pierre for almost 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a boutique high-end, I couldn't afford my own food kind of place. <laughs> like a, when you can't afford your own catering kind of place. Perfect. Um, and I'm a third-generation chef. So my grandfather was a chef at the Union Club, which was like the Lottie Da Men's Men Club. Okay. Um, where he cooked for Eisenhower, Kennedy, oh, all wow. the, yeah, all the celebrity kind of political figures. Sure. And then my dad was the chef, first chef at the Maisonette, which if you're not from here. It was um, still here when I got here, though. Okay, yeah. so the Maisonette was uh, the longest standing, 41 years of mobile five-star restaurant. So he got the first five stars, but he passed very young. He was in his 40s, died of cancer when I was 13. And so, because I couldn't figure out anything else, I wasn't good at school. I was a really good volleyball player. That's about the only talent I had. Um, and But I went to school not for cooking. I wish I would have. Um, but I found out pretty quickly. I was working in a kitchen. I was waiting tables at night making real money, but prepping during the morning before class. Yeah. You know, so I've always been involved at some level in the restaurant world. We call it a genetic disorder. I thought that was the funniest thing reading through your site when you called it that. I was just going to bring that up. It cracked me up. I had I somebody say to me <laughs> that that they were offended by it because people that have genetic disorders. And I said, really, you have to understand, it's it's not really something you want for your child. <laughs> so I'm not happy that I have a child that has the gene because I know what life he has in front of them. Yeah. It's a hard life. It's nights. You miss every event in your family and friends' life. Sure. You've got to be willing to give a lot up. And I was, you know, and I did it. And I did it well and passionately. I loved it. But then I was, I like, classic case of burnout. Classic case of, I had a lot of physical things that were going wrong. And knowing that I'm not going to be the person behind the stove much longer. I'm not going to be able to physically. Yeah. So um, I really always wondered what happened to the food that people didn't buy. Right. And um, so I was lucky enough to talk to a woman. I cyber-stalked her, actually. Her name's <laughs> Lynn Marmer. She looked like a nice lady in the paper. And she worked for Kroger. And she looked like she was really important for Kroger. So I cyberstalked her for a while until she met with me. Yeah. And she agreed to allow me to rescue two. And I use the word rescue, meaning I know that there's food that you waste. Can I see what it is? Mm-hmm. And can I possibly take that 
in the beginning, I set it up as a Tom's shoe model. Okay. If you come into the storefront and buy a soup, I'll give a soup. Yeah. It seemed like, well, Tom's Shoes did it. That right. should no, work here. Smart idea. Yeah. Um, and so I was a for-profit. And that was the big deal for Kroger's to allow food to go to a for-profit. But the reason it was a for-profit, well, there was lots of reasons. But the main is this was like totally unknown territory. And how do you do this, like, and and be a nonprofit when I had never worked as a nonprofit? I didn't know. I mean, there was enough unknowns. I didn't need that. Yeah. So that's why we started as a for-profit. And then quickly after self-funding myself for the first two years, like, mm, maybe that wasn't the smartest decision. <laughs> and because I knew so many people that wanted to help, but they're not going to give me a large donation if it's not tax deductible. Right. So, um it was kind of driven by necessity, and the model was working. Yeah. We were feeding a lot of people, so to grow it seemed like that was the way to go. Yeah, I loved reading that story that you told about the, I forget what school it was, I'm, I'm trying to like sneak off Boiler. my notes here. And, uh, yeah. yeah, but seeing that, like, A, heartbreaking just to read that we struggle so much with like underage poverty like that too. Right. But hearing that story and how it motivated you, I thought was so wonderful. And, you know? and crazy. Yeah. I was a crazy lady, for I, sure. Like, I, I mean, I think back to that, and I, I do, I question. I'm like, why did the, the police officer come over and ask me what am I doing? And I'm like, oh, I just had a Facebook post that somebody posted about the kids being hungry, so I brought a bunch of soup, and yeah. nobody stopped me. Nobody asked for credentials. <laughs> nobody. I'm like, okay, well, you know, so you don't know what you don't know, but I sure. am kind of one of those people that when – I hear of something where I think I can help. I just do it. And I know a lot of people kind of go, well, they might not want, you know, and you second guess. I kind of just do things. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I've always operated. I say yes to pretty much anything, figuring maybe if you say yes, you'll figure out the answer versus saying no because you don't have the answer. And I think that's really the way I've always kind of approached my life. Yeah, we can do that. How are we going to do it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Right. You know, and I then that. that's the way I've always operated. Yeah, what a great mentality, too. I mean, it's that, you A, you're doing a positive thing in the first place, so I think it's just going to ultimately work out in a weird way anyway. But right. I really love this idea that it's just like, just dive in. You'll figure it out. Well, you and, know? you know, food insecurity, food banking, all of that stuff, especially – it, during the pandemic, it exposed ridiculously long, complicated issues with the way that we've done, just like anything, right. we haven't really moved the needle on this. And I just feel like unless other people start trying other ideas, we're never going to move the needle on it. Yeah. And, you know, whether one of the ideas sticks and the soup stuck, but I'm trying to think which program that we killed pretty quickly we really have a pretty good track record when we dive in. Um, I think one of them, the Cincinnati Gives a Crock program, <laughs> um, that was, but that was at Euler as well. Oh, okay. And that, it became that, that kids wanted to learn how to cook because mm -hmm. you have to kind of keep taking a step back. So why do we not have kids wanting to work in restaurants? Why is the restaurant world looking for employees? One of the things I found is at Euler, these kids have never had real food. They've never eaten in a restaurant that, and I call real food meaning homemade, 
Right. You know, like not fast food. Somebody like identifying a smell in your home when you walk in. One of the first questions I asked him yeah. was, well, what's like when you walk in after school, do you ever get super excited because you smell something that your mom's cooking and you're like, oh, great, we're having lasagna tonight yeah. or, you know, and not one of them had a food memory. And, you know, like I grew up, obviously, my well, he worked all the time, but my mom was a really great chef. Yeah. So, or not chef, but she was a good home cook and she cooked every night. We didn't order in. We right. didn't do that. So I had lots of food memories and I thought that's, it's just kind of sad that it's they don't, sad. and they don't know what they don't know. So why would they want to learn how to cook if they've never eaten food to pose the question in their head? Like, Wow. This is really good. How, where do I get this? How do I, okay, I can make it? Yeah. How do I make it? You know, so it really was very organic. But then when they, I asked them, I showed them how to make rice. Mm -hmm. And I asked them which way they were going to make it at the end of the class. Rice on the stove or rice in the oven. And I got blank stares. And I was like, oh, you, you know, just show of hands. Nobody raised their hands and nobody would look, make eye contact with me. <laughs> And it was because they don't, they, nobody had a stove. Well, one of the kids did, but yeah. they didn't, oh. they didn't want to admit that. And I, and then I asked them, I'm like, well, what have you been doing with the food when I send it home? Right. Like this, I, it's not for, for me, this is like trying to help you guys. Like right. if we don't have a relationship where you're telling me, you know, uh, Mr. Young, we don't, we don't have a stove. What do I do if I don't have it? I mean, you got to tell me. Right. So it became apparent. And so it was like, I'm not going to kill the program. We got to tweak it. So we yeah. tweaked it and came up with Cincinnati Gives a Crock. I think this quarter, this semester, whatever their schools are on now, we were in five different schools. We have requests to do them pretty much in every public school. Yeah, of course. But, you know, finding the people that want to, because we use volunteer mom cooks, basically, right. you know, there's set recipes, there's um, a lot of organization to go into it. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of volunteers don't want to commit to eight weeks every Tuesday, you know, I'm so, sure. which is fine. I understand oh, it. Absolutely. So we're going to go back, not go back to the drawing board. We're just going to try to think another creative way that we can keep this program and expand it in a more natural way. So it's really interesting. And I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking from like, is there a technological angle on that? That would be fun. You know, like maybe there's, you all do the training via video. Well, or and we like did um, virtual through COVID. Okay. We did a lot virtual and that was really kind of fun because they were filming and we moved from 900 square feet and then last year, we finally got the commissary, big-ass right. kitchen yeah. built. And we have a little stu cooking studio there. Oh, that's so cool. So they, you know, they can set up the cameras, teach, you know, right there. And um, just seeing all the kids, like, logging on. And yeah. it was cool. But, you know, how do we get it? We have to have them shop for themselves. But that was all through COVID. They weren't going to the school. Right. They still wanted to take the class. So. Yeah, well, that's amazing, though. That's yeah. got to make you feel good, too. I mean, yeah, it Definitely was. make an impact, you know. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, too, because I'm, like, now even just thinking about people I know who are, like, you know, people in their 30s who are still just, like, you cook at home? And I'm, like, uh, you don't, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And you never think about it, right? And there's there's that, like... It's a, almost like speaking a language in a, in a way, right, where you don't know what or you don't music. know. Or music. I said the same thing to the yeah. kids about music. I'm like, 
Do you have music? Like, I grew up like a weirdo because my father was French. I And I then found the album every Christmas. 60 French girls singing French Christmas carols. But that's what we had on our little, <laughs> you know, the little LP spinning on the stereo. Yeah, I was say, I'm looking up that vinyl after yeah, this interview. <laughs> you know, and I am like, you know, that that was my Christmas, but that was the music that I heard, and it evokes a memory. Right. And the fact that these kids don't have food-related memory, like, you know, music we know is therapeutic. You talk to people in music therapy dealing with elderly, everybody has a music memory. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I, I have food memories. Right. Like, I, I'll never eat chicken and stars. Why? Because <laughs> I puked on it when I was a f- <laughs> first grader, you know? And it's like, That'll you, do it. you don't forget it. That right. was 60 years ago, but, you know. Yeah, that's a so. good, that's really funny, though, yeah. too. You're so right. And it's and now I'm thinking about it, too, where I'm like, all of my, you know, I had the same thing, where it was like my grandmother loved cooking for the big family events, and that was what started my love of food. It was like one year, my, fa- my family all went to the Macy's Day Parade, and then I stayed. So cool. I was like, I don't want to get up at 5 in the morning to go sit out outside the cool that sounds terrible grandma and i are gonna hang out and she's gonna teach me everything to make it and we're gonna watch it on tv right it was perfect you know i missed out all the good celebrity watching or you know whatever right. 1995 celebrities were there but uh but i think about that a lot and uh, you know as soon as you mentioned the the food memory in regards to the smell instantly i could smell her kitchen in the city you right. know oh that's yeah. weird and so what a what a wonderful thing that you're doing for these kids yeah oh, well so and that's just one aspect of it yeah you know the the mission, the three-pronged mission to start was to rescue food, to transform the food, and share it. Because my, part of my theory was that, I guess it, it proved true, is I have money, I have means. Mm-hmm. I'm busy, so I go to a drive through or I order, you know, sushi. I order... What I don't go to drive through. Why did I even say that? I really don't. Yeah, I'm you not didn't a fast, me as someone that. Yeah. I'm not a fast food person. Never have. Been, I like it about you but already. Carry out, yes. Sure. Like I order dinner, you know, from a handful of restaurants, and that I I do that when I'm hard pressed for time, and I'm of thinking course. people in poverty don't have that option, right? Like, and and they could be busier than you and I. Yeah, they could be holding down two or three jobs, and and nobody is helping them put a decent meal on the table. Yeah. So it was kind of with that theory and then the waste issue. Because when I started seven years ago, front page of the paper was 40%. And it's still the same darn statistic. I don't think we've moved that needle either. 40% of the food produced in America goes to the landfill. So, uh, you know, to me, take if you can take 10% of that, and not send it to a landfill and get it to people in a mindful, caring, and um, the one thing I think we do differently than most places is we can almost give culturally culturally sensitive, knowing where what part of town we're going to, knowing mm-hmm. if it's mostly Hispanic or mostly refugee population, which yeah. there are pockets of. Of course. If you recognize that, you know... They don't cook from cans. They don't even know that the food in the picture on the can is in the can. Right. And nobody thought to give these people can openers. Found that out to be true. Yeah. I mean, go figure, right? Like a can opener. You're going to the food pantry, but like, this is how you get food in America. Here's your store. Right. 
take it. It's free. You don't have to do anything, but, oh, you need this instrument. So, I mean, just knowing and understanding and not saying we can't help. So when we rescue like jungle from mm-hmm. jungle gyms, that, or, that food comes in, we weigh it immediately. So we know exactly how many pounds we've gotten. Okay. Then we have our team of, we call them the sorters, the produce sorters. Yeah. And they decide they're all serve safe certified. They've all been schooled. And it's, if you would put it on your table, it goes directly to a food pantry because it's perfect. Yeah. But if it's not perfect, doesn't mean it's not edible. It just means it could be in the scratch and den aisle. Exactly. Right? But does that mean it's bad? No. No. For what purpose? You can, you know, and soup is easy to stretch. I love it because you can create literally anything. And I love like symbolically or metaphorically mm-hmm. sharing a bowl of soup. It just, it's like down to earth, homemade, creating one bowl for everybody. It doesn't matter that you're a have and I'm a have not. Right. Everybody at La Soup gets the same soup. You come in the front door and you can buy a quart, buy the quart. Right. Because then I can give the other 90% that's going to go out the back door. It doesn't fund the mission. It's not enough to bring it in. It's not meant to be. But it's more to kind of keep the story consistent that this food is totally fine. Right. Give it to trained professionals in a serve-safe, Board of Health-approved kitchen. Right. And let them create with it. And then you also get really great chefs because our team are kick-ass. Some of the best in the business. What can we give them? Nine to five, Monday through Friday, no weekends, no nights, and no can opening. You can actually (laughs) create. You're allowed to cook with fresh food. And the more creative you are, the better it is for us. So we we attract creatives. Cool. And um, mission-driven, I would say, uh, definitely mission-driven group of people that really just like to use their talent and... It's a, you'll see, I mean, you've got to come by, but it's a a really positive vibe. I had a guy come in yesterday off the street and asked if um, he wanted an application for a dishwasher Yeah. and we weren't hiring, which is unbelievable. Can't believe it. I said that, Yeah. but I didn't know he was applying at the time. I was doing something else, and then I saw him walking by the front window, and I said to the girl at the desk, what did he want? She said, oh, I got him a job application. I told him we weren't hiring, and I went running after him Yeah. because one of my friends desperately needs a dishwasher. Yeah. And so I ran after him, and I introduced myself. His name was Steve, and I said, Steve, you know, how did you hear about us? Why did you just stop in? And he goes, well, my bus driver on this route told me that everybody in – that building is really nice. And I thought, wow, the bus driver. I mean, I just waved to him when I crossed the street because there's 20,000, you know, we're right on the bus, the bus stops in front of us. Yeah. So we see him every day and we all wave and, you know, from the window. And I thought, well, that's really kind. (laughs) Like, so hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll show up at the other restaurant that's around the corner from us. And I'm like, you could be, (laughs) you, you could get a job there. And his question was, are they as nice as you guys? Not and I said, close. I don't know. They're pretty nice people. <laughs> they're good friends of mine. I like them. So. It's somewhat disappointing in a weird way to be like just being decent to other people is viewed as such a, you know what I mean? Like, Well, to have the reputation of that and right. to have... 
the volunteers, like there's times the energy, if you go in there feeling low, you will not leave feeling low. I love that. There's always a positive spin or positive something that happens that just has people laughing. And, you know, I don't dread going to work anymore. I really love my job. I love the people that work with us. And we've attracted just... I say the best in the business, just Absolutely. all the way around. And mo- almost every single person that works for us volunteered at some level at some point for us. Yep. We have a couple of out-of-towners. They didn't. But their person that introduced me to, the, to them did. Oh, yeah. So, you know, by, by default, they were <laughs> a volunteer by blood relative or whatever. Yeah, so, that, that works. That counts. Yeah, still, it counts. Right? It should count. Right. Too funny. Yeah. Uh, how did you get linked up with us here at the jungle? I met Joni and Jim years ago and at a, a mutual friend of ours house. And I said our first location was in Newtown. Mm-hmm. And as we were growing at the, the Kroger God that let me rescue those couple of places, we got to the t- to the place that it was like we had signed up for this app called Food Rescue US, okay, which was a godsend for us. Like it was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Now there's probably 400 apps on the globe. Sure. I don't know. But seven years ago, there wasn't. Yeah. And I saw that they were using the app in Columbus. So the first thing was to see if they, if they would license us or allow us to use this app, which up until today, seven years, we still haven't paid a dime oh, wow. for the app. Um, and just to be clear, what is the app? The app will tell us where and what time, um, and how much food to pick up. Oh, okay. so like we'll, we'll load up jungle gyms, Eastgate mm-hmm. every day, 10 o'clock. Okay. And, and then volunteers load the app on and they look and then they sign up to oh, pick up that food. Cool. And then all that food comes directly to us. We don't do anything that we call direct donate, mm-hmm. meaning it would go to jungle straight to a food pantry. Right. Because we did do that. Yeah. But we uh, we pivoted and we recognized the fact that really we want to see all the food yeah. to ha- again so that these pantries that have three people working there don't have the... the the labor to sort through it. Sure. And just because it, somebody doesn't buy it doesn't mean it isn't good. Right. So, you know, we we opted to do that. So I reached out to Joni and said, you know, if if you have anything. And I do not, whatever, I, if you have people picking up everything, mm-hmm. do not shuffle the deck. Right. Not for me. I'm like, no, we're trying to find the food that isn't being taken care of. Right. And, um... So she fit us in the schedule. It's not like we're here every day. Yeah. But she, you know, she, she managed to work her Joni magic. Yeah, and, she's uh, magical too. She is. I magical. find that about the whole family so I'm far. I'm kind of thinking so. Yeah. yeah. So it must Pretty be genetic. That's yeah. their genetic disorder. Uh, is. They have a genetic <laughs> disorder. They do. Crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> in a good way. No, of course, in the best in way. In a good way. Yeah. No, I, I find that it was one of the things I think I was telling you off air that, you know, leading up to this, when they had mentioned I was doing a piece on one of the old produce giants as he was leaving the company or retiring finally. Willie? 
Um, um, oh my gosh, why am I not? For, oh, Dave Brosser. Okay. Um, and Dave, I think we had been here 40 something years and we did, uh, you know, oh. a whole thing. It, it was wild. So I've released one of the episodes, but then actually Dave jungle and I, and, uh, AJ, who's the current produce manager here, right? all of us got in there. And at some point the waste issue came up and that's something I'm really just curious about, right? You know, because for me, I've been in the retail space before, but never in the food space or at least not in the, like the market. Right. So I was so curious as to, you know, it's like it's consumer driven. Mm -hmm. It is not the grocery stores issue. It's consumer driven. Yeah. You and I want to see every single thing in its best form. Of course. Right. You know, that's just like the unfortunate human nature of it. It is. But does that say the other banana isn't valuable? So it might not be valuable to eat raw. Or as is, it might be better in a cookie or a shake because it's overripe, but yeah. it doesn't, you know. So, and the expiration, like if you put me on a soapbox, don't get me going on the sell by expired by. Oh, I know that's a soapbox. I will gladly stand with you oh, on. Oh my god! I we did a, a taste test of one year old potato chips mm-hmm. with a bunch of chefs, just to say. Fine. Tell me what you like or you don't like. Is it still? It, we didn't tell them it was year old. Yeah, we just. Describe it. Describe right. it. Right. Not one of them. I mean, so it's really wonderful for a manufacturer to know that every single store on March 1st is going to throw away all their potato chips, and then we know what we have to manufacture. Right. It just gives them a better idea of quantity. Yeah. It has nothing to do with, I mean, for God's sake, we can stuff to keep for years. Right. But- Still slap them. We are still saying it expire. It expire. Really? <laughs> so I ended up becoming kind of, I don't want to say a lobbyist, but I did go to Washington on more than one occasion. That's awesome. Went to Harvard Food Policy and Law to really understand why, what is this right. and why? Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, in order to be better at the job that we're doing, you know, we, of course, we, look at recalls first thing in the morning and you know it's and we insisted on being inspected by the board of health they didn't want to inspect us you know really no because you give food away we don't care if you you can give anything away i guess so so but i'm like no we're gonna sell it right we're selling it out the front door we don't sell a lot yeah but it's meant to say you know it's perfectly good this potato soup this dinner that you thought was delicious was given we gave 200 portions to the food insecure. If you think it's delicious, hopefully they do too. Of course. I, so. and I, I know I joked with you off air too about this. So I'll say it here. I literally had no idea there was a front door on that. And I was so right. focused on the mission. I was like, what a great cause. We got to tell the world about this. And then I started going through this afternoon like. You know, um, it was funny. We <laughs> did do. And, and because of COVID, of course, we had to shift in timing of a lot of things that we had hoped to do. Hasn't even still launched. But one of the things um, that we did do, it was a um, fundraiser for us like three years ago Mm -hmm. where different chefs in the city donated a dinner in somebody's home. Well, one of the chefs couldn't do it because COVID and shutting down one restaurant and just stuff happened. His life got busy. He couldn't honor it. So I'm like, well, we'll honor it. Bring your team in here. Yeah. And the team cooked a six-course like, I, I hate to say it would have rivaled any restaurant in the city, like 
absolutely beautiful dishes. And then you say, and it was all rescued food. Like we didn't buy anything. Yeah. We want to show you what can happen when you put professionals and task them with this food. I mean, and the pantry alone. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, you well, know, it seems like it like appeals to their passions, you know. And I've just right. most people have share that, you know, they want well, to share and the that, love of you food. You know, it, if you if you walk into the kitchen on most days, I don't think you're going to go, oh my gosh, they're dealing with all this rotting broccoli, or <laughs> you're not going to say that. You're no, just going to go, not. why do you have sixty cases of broccoli? Like, if anything, I feel like it raises questions, and the more questions that are asked, maybe. Like the the movement of this is so stupid, and it is. It's just the dumbest thing. Yeah, that shouldn't be this difficult to solve. Right, and create a business model, literally using that food to feed people because that's why it was grown. I don't, you know. Right. My my mind is pretty simple. I no, I appreciate that though, and it's I. Not, I mean, it's like can... it's complicated to think about all the aspects, but in its rare rawest form it's mm-hmm. really a simple like take pile a cook it and give it to pile b oh seems pretty simple rescue right. transform share we added education inspire and nourish to our mission because we've always done education right so it was kind of we need to get that in there and we've inspired so many people to Think about what they're consuming in their home. Yeah. Changing shopper behavior at that level can be a huge impact. Um, we have pig farmers. You know, what we can't use, we have pig farmers that pick up. They take it. And we also found a wolf sanctuary that gets oh. all the raw, unprocessed, uncooked meat. So a lot of the food pantries know we go there. So if they get freezer burnt meat, mm-hmm. they know that they can send it to us. And we'll get it down to the wolf sanctuary. Again, it doesn't go to the landfill. And that's the mission. It's like there's plenty of viable option out there. There's so many mouths that are willing, you know, I mean, at the end of the day. And it's so weird that we've, you know, and this is now maybe me getting my soapbox a little bit, but we, we build these like, obstacles for no real reason and you know again like you said oh it totally at its simplest level it seems so easy and take the food from a cook it and give it to b right that's why we need innovators like you to take charge and well and and my brain's pretty simple but i you know look you're doing the right thing and i did you know and i do feel like people that have been hanging in the nonprofit space and learned and studied and they probably know more than way more than i do but um, I, I just mean, I don't think like, oh, it cannot be done because somebody did it and it didn't right. work. Well, but there's so many components to it. Yeah. And did they really, did it really not work or did they not ask the client what they wanted? Like we almost have a click list on the back dock now. If you have a food pantry and you know, you always need bread you always need produce. You really don't have very much freezer space, so we can only take about 20 quarts of soup a week. Mm-hmm. You can tell us. So be part of the conversation. Don't just say, yeah. hey, it's free. We'll take anything. We don't care. Right. And, and 20 pounds of food arrives at your door, and you've got one bunch of bananas that's decent. But, hey, it's free. It was going to landfill anyway. It beats a blank. Yeah. If you take that mentality, I feel like you're not really thinking it through the way that we thought it through. Right. And, you know, I think there's some 
rationale for some, like, uh, ready-to-eat food, mm-hmm. I have no problem with. Like, we can't transform it. Right. And half of the food insecure um, soup kitchens also are now doing grab-and-goes. Oh. Like, if you eat there, yeah, you also can leave with a sandwich. Because you're, you, at least like at a couple of the places we know, majority of their clientele is homeless. Mm-hmm. So give them a sandwich so they have something after hours. Yeah. So grab-and-go... You know, sandwiches, Panera, UDF, anybody that does the pre-made sealed sandwiches, that would be a great use to just give it away the way it is because right. nothing else is going to happen to it. Yeah, of course. It. But uh. any produce, meats, we don't really, we don't get a lot of fish, but every once in a while. Sure. You know? I feel like the fish is probably tough too because of the somewhat almost instantaneous turn it's like perfect exactly and then it could be an hour and exactly it's no longer, so we don't really deal with that every once in a while like i said when when the restaurants closed down we got a lot of fish sure a lot of the restaurants that had frozen fish in the freezer we had quite a bit come through the door and you know we did with it what we could yeah so what are some of the biggest challenges that you run into and and, and i'm thinking of framing this in regards to like what can I'm assuming the listeners are like, I want to help now, right? Like, what? I mean, would be- it sounds so gross when you go, ah, we need money, you know, yeah, but, but that is something that, but if you don't, like, if you don't have money, you can always volunteer. There's so many opportunities in-house. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the te- we have a guy, Irish John, I'm talking to you, <laughs> who comes in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He has produced over 300 different soups on his own, he owns this one little corner of the kitchen, and yeah. when he's there, he can make up to three different tilt skillets worth of soup, meaning he can go up to 100 gallons of soup on oh, his okay. shift, and he shows up every Monday. I mean, he's staff. But he yeah. just doesn't get a paycheck. Sure. Um, he's treated as staff and thought of as staff. We have a lot of people like that that have been with us, and I hate to say it, but it's kind of like – it's kind of a weird dream of a lot of people to work in a professional kitchen. Yeah. Like, oh, I would love to see the behind the scenes of, you know, this restaurant. Well, now they get to be in it. Right. And they like it. And yeah. and they anybody can chop heads of cauliflower and broccoli. And, right. um, and they like the fact that they can use their time. Other people like just moving the food, you know. So when you volunteer, you can just sign up to take up a run. Yeah. We have the Cincinnati Gova Croc, you know, volunteers. Last week we had stuffing envelope party. That was kind of fun. <laughs> because it's so close to Thanksgiving, we're like stuffing envelope. Stuffing envelope. envelope. It was the winner like, appeal. Yeah, right <laughs> um, and I just think, but you know, being a voice to say, like, you know, if you if you're in a company match, see if Le Soup is on your company match. It's a great way to support us. You know, you're going to support somebody anyway. Right. That was a big lesson for me, honestly, because I'm yeah. not used to asking people for things. I sure. kind of just go work. Right. But with this, you really have to get to know the foundations that give money and then tell the story so that they understand right. what they're giving to and be the best storyteller, basically, um, to get the most bang for the buck. And the more we grow, you know, we're already going to be adding on. Oh, wow. <laughs> so That's amazing. A year later, we're out of, um, we need freezer and refrigerator space because we you don't know the pinch points of when you build something like this. Yeah. And the one thing we 
didn't really put into consideration by having two hotlines, not just one, mm-hmm. and all these really talented chefs and volunteers, they can make a lot of soup. They can make a lot of meals really, really fast. But if we don't have somewhere, we distribute by frozen only, mm-hmm. unless it's obviously salad. Right. But And we do get really wonderful donations from 80 Acres and Root House and, you know, all year grow factories that we right. get lots from. And so More if we can... Yeah, <laughs> and if we can, I know Roothouse. Uh, I know he's They're got amazing. his fish here. Too. Yeah, so cool. they both do. So I mean, it's been an awesome way to be able to give fresh greens. We have a yeah. Friday give that we go to the um, Walnut Hills, the old Kroger's there, mm-hmm. and we set up a market, and it's all free. And we try to teach people, you know, this is what a parsnip is. Do you like carrots? Do you, you know, saute yeah. it while you're there? Have them try it. Then they'll take it. Then they'll take it home to cook. So it's really just trying to show, it's kind of like almost going back in time is what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we do this 50 years ago? Like we didn't have grocery stores the size of Jungle Gyms. We had a little mom and pop joint and that mom and pop joint is, you know, had a little truck and it went to the villages or the, you know. And they were pulling the educate, inspire, nourish. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But this is the kind of like. These are the things I wish we were socially more nostalgic for, you know. But I feel like we are. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think they want to talk today's to visitors. You. Yeah, right. Today's visitors, come on, man! Come on, man! You need me on the show. What, do, what, do, what, what do you do? What Mexican culture? I was like, Mexican culture. Come on could, in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We got a big group out yeah, there no, now. I'm like I wasn't anticipating I, this, this in the middle, but I'm like, fun. oh yeah, yeah. We're like, oh. This is the this is the fun part of the jungle are these moments where we have like an interview like going it. on and then yeah I me too. I want to ask them too. Like this, the one of the um, shelters that we go to is almost all Hispanic, and they told us to quit bringing bread because nobody in Hispanic culture eats bread. They only want tortillas. Come in for a second. Okay, they're let's in. Try they're this. in. They feel like they won the lottery. Yeah, like, this is, the lottery. I was this like, is okay. hysterical. Hi guys. How are we doing today? Good. How are oh, you doing? Good. Doing good. Feel free to have a seat at the end. I'll give you a little rundown. So we're in the middle of an interview, but I think we can make this work. This is the fun part of the jungle. This is. Did you come here just for this Um, to get on air? A couple of times, hoping that he would be in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Yeah. You remember me? Yeah. I. I I hope so. At least. No. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was. Well, uh, if you want, pull the mic up. You want to just bring it up to you like this. All right, well, state your name real fast for me. You don't uh, give your full name or anything, but just so I don't call Jair. you in person. Yeah, yeah. My um, my name's Jair J with a with with a J. You know, my name is actually like the common way to uh, in Hispanics is with a Y Y A I R. Okay. With mine, you know, it, it got misspelled while doing the whole paperwork and everything. So sure. It's, it's with a with a J. It tends Where to be are a you from? Story. Yeah. Where are you from? Mex- uh, here. Yeah. From here. I got Mexican heritage, though. Okay. You know, or, so cool. or, what is it? Not heritage. Uh, Genetic. Well, uh, no, I guess heritage works, heritage. right? Culture. Culture, I guess. Yeah, we'll yeah. take it. Yeah. Well, so we were talking. So uh, Susie uh, runs a kitchen here in town called La Soup, and we were talking all about, like, produce and stuff. You had a, you had a question, actually. I thought I would let you maybe so lead one with. Of, okay, so one of the questions. So what we do is we rescue food from places like Jungle Gym. So whatever they don't sell... We pick up and we bring we bring it back to our place, and we create meals and soups with it. 
Okay, and then we donate those meals and those soups to people living in food insecurity. Oh, gotcha. So we go to a lot of shelters. We have over 100 partners of places that we share. One of the places is on the west side of Cincinnati. It's almost 100% Hispanic. And they told us to quit bringing bread because we only want tortillas because we eat breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. Always has a tortilla. Is this true? This is this is true. Yeah. Uh, pretty much with every meal, we, we eat tortillas. What, whatever it is, it's like... Is as Mexican as it gets. Um, you'll, you'll Thank you for verifying yeah, that no, because it's, it's we have. I mean, I'm just listening to their. <laughs> that's what they want, and they also said that we don't like canned food. We only want fresh food Ooh, that's, because that's we like to a cook. Picky though, you know, that's, <laughs> no, well, that's what they're. They're refugees that have never used cans. Oh, okay. So okay. they would like just fresh produce because that's what they're used to cooking with. That's, that's fair. Uh, you know. Fresh produce. But you're not, you're not straight from Mexico. You're second generation, I right? guess. Yeah, you could call it that. So yeah. that might be why. A little of the American influence in a there. A little bit in there. You know, a little a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> the melting that's pot. A, I was just going to say, that's the American way. Yeah. It really is. Right? A little sprinkle, a little seasoning. Spice yeah, gotta, it up. Got to spice it up here and there. Are you in high school, college? Yeah, high school. High school. Okay. Yeah. Here in Sharonville? Yeah. In, uh, Fairfield? Mm. Okay. So and what, what brought you to Jungle, this guy? Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. I, w- oh. I wanted to kick it with him in the podcast. <laughs> I love it. This is I perfect. love it. No, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, for sure, man. This is this is tight. You have your, your cool little studio here. You got the wall behind you. You got, you got the whole shablam. This it's, it, I literally feel like the most privileged person oh, on the yeah. planet every oh, day. Yeah. I come this, to work. I'm like, this is, this is I didn't know I was talking to a celebrity, but apparently <laughs> I am. It like, yeah, this, is, this is a power move right here. Like, just... <laughs> Sitting here with the people just walking around, and you just have your little zone right here. This is cool. This is. This is I love that you love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite food memory? Food memory? Like, like if you walk in your house. Oh, okay, it, okay. Do you say, oh, God, mom's <laughs> making whatever. Yeah. I'm going out, or mom's making something, and I'm sticking around. Yeah, no, you, you got to cancel all your plans when it comes to sopes. Sopes are so good. So there it's you like, go. Oh, can you describe those for the audience? Uh, slash me. <laughs> and when are we going? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what time right, supper? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so they're like handmade, like kind of like tortillas, not really. They're thicker? A li- yeah, a little thicker. Okay. They got like little dents on the side so the beans don't like spill. So cool. it's got like you mush the beans and it's just kind of like a little more liquidy. You smear it on top and you can add like from different different like uh you know there's also no meat but you know the way i like them is with, sure. with, with, with steak it's really good you oh, know that sounds amazing get some steak in there some some cheese um i think it's oaxacan cheese i'm, I'm not i'm not too sure okay uh, is that a cilantro? celebratory or every day like is that something you would celebrate for a birthday or a holiday or is that something that you would expect to eat on a fairly regular basis not regular because it is kind of a longer process so it's not something not something you you see every day so whenever you whenever you eat it's like oh, okay thanks if, mom if i had plans i'm, I'm staying home i'm cancel everything yeah. okay Oh, that sounds good, though. Yeah. It yeah, I'm now trying to think of, like, what my mom would make, and I'm like, what would I stay? There used right. to be, I don't I don't get out this way, but there used to be a Mexican little grocery store, and it had a little carryout across the street from Jungle heading back towards the highway. Oh, really? Do you know where I'm talking about? Las Palmas? What is it? Las Palmas, maybe? There's, like, uh, 
It's a teeny little grocery store, and they made like three or four different kind of tacos. Mm. But they had the tongue. They did. Um, Ooh, yeah. you've had tongue? Yeah. It's really good. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like, I hate to say that I'd come to Jungle and not eat here, but I'd buy <laughs> everything, and I'd grab some tacos on the okay. way out. I, I feel like that's kind of the Jungle vibe a little bit, though. It's like until we get like some more restaurants like in the building itself, because right. I find that myself doing the same thing where I'm like, oh, I bought all the ingredients. I don't have a cooking place in my <laughs> office, so uh, yeah. all right, you know. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now I'm thinking about tongue, too. So I got re- I'm really lucky. Uh, my neighbors are from Mexico, and mm-hmm. they have a really great Mexican grocery store, like literally 300 feet from my doorstep. So all the time, they're just always trying something interesting. They're like, oh, have you tried this before? In Kentucky? Yeah. Gutierrez Deli. I'll shout them out right now. Like some of the best tacos I've ever eaten <laughs> in my entire life. You know, I've, where I've is it? It is right on, like right off the 12th Street exit. Like I know right exactly as you cross where you it. are. Yeah. It's yeah. across the street from Vunderbar there. Yep. So a little jer- it's a very funny pocket of culture. But I, while we're talking about it, uh, their son Sergio just opened up an, an actual full taco restaurant a block away. But what I love about it is he mixes a little of what I would call like Americanized style in into a lot of traditional stuff. So what's been cool to see in Covington is like people eating tongue now and stuff that I was like, you know, I remember when they did uh, goat birria one day and I was just like, uh, I'm interested. Is the town interested? And what's Uh been awesome is just seeing in a neighborhood that I don't think was always known for its uh, culinary adventurousness. Uh, But uh, yeah, now to see it instead, people are just like raving about it and and kind of getting interested in the culture, you know, and it's it's thankful to having those neighbors who, you know, I always love this story as I was walking my dog around the block one night and Sergio and his dad, Claudio, are outside and they're just working on shrimp and they're like hey man you want a bowl of shrimp and i was like i don't know you guys hell yeah i want a bowl of shrimp like you know it was one of the most amazing things i've ever tasted you know what i mean it just yeah yeah. really cool though so Mm -hmm. do you you cook uh sometimes i mean nothing too crazy just nothing hispanic i can cook Uh, all i can do is an omelet that's pretty much it okay okay. somewhere (laughs) what were you gonna ask if we had tried um like mexican style seafood no, not really. Outside of the shrimp story, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's it's good. We have like ceviche. Uh, okay, oh, so okay, yeah, I didn't even think about that. So I have tried ceviche yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I'm an idiot. So like um, <laughs> tostadas de like the mixed mariscos. You okay. had that? Yeah. Uh, no, I've not oh, actually. Okay. They're, they're good. There's like, it, you know, there's like this place called uh, I don't even remember the name, but it's it's just like it's just Mexican seafood, and it, it, it's it's like. Where's where they? I think it's Jalisco. No, or maybe I'm pretty sure it's Jalisco. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. No, it's okay. It's like everyone so, quote him. <laughs> don't quote me. Like octopus. <laughs> Who um, are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's, it's good. It's good. You should definitely give it a try. So, I'm down. Yeah, Seriously, yeah. next time you come by here, we'll plan it. Come by and close to my lunchtime. Right. I'm serious. I'll, right. I'll go. Right, yeah, man, dude, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. All right, that sounds tight. They're they're not that expensive too. They're like five bucks uh, one tostada. I'm uh, very interested. Oh, yeah. Seriously, yeah. 
Yeah, right, right, uh, we well, can be friends. This we'll make is real. happen. Yeah, we'll make I'm, it happen. I'm being serious. Yeah, I'm down. You just yeah. busted in on a podcast, yeah. so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the audience is going to love this. Though. I, I think this is one of the. Door. Well, we were joking about it before they came in. I'm like, this is kind of the best part of the jungle. Realistically, is <laughs> like a I mean, getting we'll just, heckled in the studio. Yeah, and then but <laughs> but then every so often we get to meet someone like you in detail, where it's like, oh, uh, let me learn a little bit about your. Co- I mean, look, you, you don't get to have that experience at some of the other mm. big corporate stores, right, you know. Right. Not to mention how many how many podcasts studios are in the middle of a Kroger, for example. You know, zero, I think, as of yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Right. So, got to innovate. That's you so cool. You see Walmart with a podcast, you know. They're, they're just I know I did something flow. right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you and coming on. Awesome. Seriously. Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry about that. No, it's yeah, okay. Sure. Awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me. It's been great. Man. Yeah. It's been great. It'll be out next Wednesday, so uh, off tune real? in. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to be on this? I, I mean, that's, I'm, that's... I wasn't planning on I might trim it a little bit, but okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's time, man. I yeah. appreciate it so yeah, much. My pleasure. Seriously, yeah, thanks you, for coming But in. you got to go spend money now. Huh? Yeah, that's true. You, you have to, You're not yeah. allowed you gotta to fund just... my paycheck, so... You, you, gotta, Get out there you, buy you can't just show up. You <laughs> okay. just got to go buy food. I'll get one of the 17-cent water bottles. There you go. That works, too. A little price magic. Well, awesome. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. You, too. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that I always was love fun. That. There's always something exciting going on. That was awesome. Um, so to get back, though, to where we were, um, just uh, we talked about the challenges, but I guess ultimately my question was, I know we talked about volunteering. What's a, what's, what would be your preferred way to have people get in touch with you? Always email. Okay. Because I don't pick up the phone unless I know the number. <laughs> I've just gotten to, yeah, I was like, I can't do that anymore. Right. Um <laughs> And I, you know, I just encourage people to get involved when, in whatever, if it's not in food rescue, if mm-hmm. it's not in food, I believe, and especially in this season, obviously it's the season of gratitude and thanks Yeah, that the people that are happiest, I just came back from a national philanthropy day awards ceremony. We nominated somebody that won and the guy that won the supporter I guess the head philanthropist of the year, it moved, he was moved telling his story to tears. Okay. He gives away a ton of money, but it was the story of how somebody that didn't have anything still gave. Yeah. And, you know, he said, nothing will ever mean more to me than to know that this man that had nothing gave me crumpled up bill and dirty quarters and whatever to further the mission because there's always somebody worse off than you are. And, uh, you know, I kind of just preach that. Like if you're really not having a good day or if you're going through a really bad time, take, take yourself and go do something for somebody else and you're going to feel better. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, if you can make somebody's day a little bit better, just do it. Are you trying to tell me that making a positive impact will make a positive impact on you as well? I believe this to be true. I am not a psychology yeah, right. major. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I told you I was not smart. But this but is a soapbox I will also join you on. I totally agree with that. It's yeah. just like you get out, out of your own skin. Exactly. Give it away to somebody else. And that's mm-hmm. what I said. I, I love doing like little random weird things. I know people, I, I know at least in Milford right now, it seems like a really big um, trend, like on our little Facebook page of yeah. South Milford. It seems like every day somebody's like, oh my God, somebody just bought my coffee or somebody bought my donuts at Dunkin' today. Yeah. Like, and how good that actually, not that they were needy, but it just made somebody's day. Yeah. And it's like, just try it. 
I think work. so many people get caught up on the when's it going to be my turn thing. And I'm right with you where I'm like, get out of yourself. Yeah. yeah. You got to forget, take yourself out of the equation. Like you, it'll come around in some weird universal way at some point. It, you know, well, it I mean, I laugh at my it. own life yeah. now because when I started La Soup, it really was to get off the radar. Right. Because I felt like the foodie generation had hit. Everybody's blogging. Everybody's Instagramming. Oh, yeah. Everybody's yeah. yelping. And my apologies. I, no, I mean, <laughs> but it, it, it was just the way that food was going, and right. it was so unsatisfying on so many levels yeah. to me. And I just thought, I just want to go like hide in the country. Well, I was in Newtown. That's as close to the country as I could get. Sure, but. It was like, I want to be off the radar. Yeah. I don't want to be on the radar. Now I'm like flipping on the radar every day. And that's a part that I had to get, re- I have to get used to it. Sure. It's like, I, you know, I didn't do this to be on a camera or on a podcast. Right. It was just trying to figure out something that seemed fairly obvious to me. But like, again, the little voice behind going, well, if it was so easy, why isn't it being done? There's plenty of people that already do that. Remember, you know, yeah. like uh, there's tons of little voices yeah. firing off, but I didn't listen, obviously. Good. Well, and I think, <laughs> obviously. I, think uh, I think so many of us get caught up with those little voices instead. And they're just like, oh, yeah, you're probably right, me. I, there's no point in this, but no. Yeah. If, it was, if it was so easy, somebody would have done it. Yeah. So. The thing is, you don't know until you try. Right. And that, I mean, I, who else would have put a podcast studio in the grocery store yeah right jungle gym baby and i bet it's going to be a flipping home run it's been doing great so far so i'm, I'm just excited and, th- guessing. and seriously i really appreciate you taking the time to do this like i know things I are it's a it, busy Mark. time it's of year and everything and year, i but i just believe in your mission and i, I, and I appreciate like, it, it. I, bre- I believe me. that joni and jim's heart has always been a big one yeah and um you know they want to do the right thing as I always say, like, if you don't want to do the right thing, just think of the hauling fees we can save people. <laughs> like, <laughs> throwing food away. Actually, I listened to a, I was on NPR and there was a story about how COVID almost killed Goodwill because everybody was at home going through their stuff because they couldn't do anything else. Right. And then at night they were dropping it off at Goodwill's and their, their um, hauling fees were over $8 million dollars in 2020 because of COVID. And it's like, we don't want your junk. Like, you know, and so we say that to people too. Like, no, we don't collect food for for pigs. Right. Like we have an avenue to give to pigs, but that's not the mission. Exactly. So give us something we can use, darn it. Darn it. Right. (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) Well, now you're starting to swear. (laughs) We waited until the end of the episode. Darn it. I'm not going to swear any more than that. as bad as it's gonna get <laughs> well stay tuned for the uncensored edition of the show that we'll be doing after hours there you now. go that's awesome awesome thanks Thank you Mark. so much Susie. it's an oh, absolute pleasure i it. truly believe in what you're doing so thank you for doing it oh absolutely I'm well happy. i look forward to coming down and visiting too this you better be fun. Oh, I, I have your number legit yes you really do i, do. I am very excited about and it. now that i know you're friends with christian <laughs> i got a double number i know oh gosh and that's good yeah call him first just yeah in case. There, you go. there you go that's all good <laughs> I told you it was a beautiful story and truly one of those classic jungle moments thanks to one of our lovely customers. I think it's so fun. I mean, if you've not seen the studio in person, I'm in a giant... Well, Jungle talked about it in our very first episode. I'm uh, I'm a barracuda here swimming in the fishbowl, as it were. 
So I do get a lot of direct uh, customer interaction. You know, sometimes they're banging on the windows, which, you know, if you're listening, don't bang on the windows. That'll affect sound quality. But be polite. Well, you can wave, and then I'll usually just bring you in if you have something interesting to say. You know, that's where I'm at with it. All right, everyone. It's been a fun one. Aren't they all fun? And, of course, I've got more great stuff coming up on the show and working in, you know, coming weeks. I'm working on a chocolate-focused episode because I really want to compare U.S. versus international chocolates, uh, as I am never eating U.S. chocolate again if I don't have to. And I'll explain it in a future episode again. I'm teasing you here. Come on, get with me. Subscribe. I'm also thinking about doing some hot beverage coverage in the coming weeks uh, from all over the world. If you don't know, uh, we've got a great, expansive uh, line of coffees from all over the world. Hot chocolates, tea, you name it, all of it. And I'm going to try and taste it all. And then hopefully you'll taste it as well. Again, these are all things that you can only find here at Jungle Gyms. That's what's so cool about this place. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for the reviews. And, of course, if you want to reach out to me, it's real easy. Send me an email at podcast at junglegyms.com or you can leave me a voicemail at 1-513-674-6855. And on that, I'll see you out in the aisles. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. The Jungle Gyms podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Borison.